Take your Bibles or your apps or whatever you read on, and this morning I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Matthew is located, uh, what I would encourage you to do is turn to the table of contents uh, in your Bible or your app, uh, and you're going to find there probably that the Bible is broken up into two sections, the, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, the book of Matthew, which we're in today, is the first book of the New Testament. So find the New Testament, find Matthew, turn to that page, and you'll want to turn to chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Now, as you're turning there, let me tell you, happy Pentecost. Uh, if you're not aware, today is the day uh, after Easter that we celebrate in the book of Acts the coming down of the Holy Spirit onto the apostles so that they could in turn, through the power of the Holy Spirit, go and preach the gospel to those who did not know Jesus in that day and time. And so today we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit and the guidance that he gives to each of us as we live in him. Now, if I was to look at you and say that I'm better than you are because of what I do, because of what I give, because of how godly my prayers are, what would be your opinion of me in that moment? If I looked at you and said, you know what? I'm better than you. My prayers are holier. I give more. I'm godlier because I'm a pastor. What would your opinion be? Obviously, you would look at me and think I'm an arrogant jerk, and rightly so. You see, our pride is something that is consistently condemned in God's word, and for good reason. And today, Jesus actually addresses our pride and our wrong motives in Matthew chapter 6. So take your Bible or your app, turn to Matthew chapter 6, and today we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Matthew 6, 1 through 8, and it says this, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward." But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and in the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have already received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room. And shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Interesting passage today. It talks about practicing righteousness. In other words, practicing what, what the in the church world we call spiritual disciplines. Things like prayer and Bible reading and giving to the needy and journaling and, and all those different things that we're called to do as followers of Jesus. This one specifically, this passage, specifically speaks about giving to the needy and prayer. 
And it says that when people give to the needy and when they pray in order to be seen and to receive praise from other people, that that's basically all the reward that they're going to get. They're not going to receive an eternal reward from their Father in heaven. And so it talks about this idea of motivation. And so here's my big idea this morning. If you've watched many of my messages, you know that most of the time I give this one statement and it's a big idea. It's this kind of a summary of what the main point of the message is going to be uh, for today. And here's today's big idea. It's this, we do not exist to impress others, but to make others be impressed by him. Let me say that again, because it's, it's a little wordy. We do not exist to impress others, but to make others be impressed by him. Do you see the difference there? The idea is that we don't exist to receive praise and to receive accolades and to, so that people will be impressed by us. We exist to show people just how amazing and impressive God is. We exist to point people to the life-changing hope of Jesus. That's what we're on this earth to do. And so when we go out and pray or give to the needy or whatever it is that we do, when we do that, looking to receive praise, we're doing that act for the wrong reasons. It also mentions in verses 7 and 8, using repetitive and empty words and phrases when we pray. Now, let me give you the background here on what Jesus is talking about. Back in this day and time, the, the, the religious people who were not followers of God, so we're talking about the Greeks and the Romans and the Moabites and all these different people groups that were around Israel that did not worship God, one of the practices that they had in their religion was that they would pray repetitively. They would say, you know, the name of their God over and over and over and over and over again. And they would, they would make a one sentence and they would repeat that sentence multiple times. And the reasoning was that the longer the prayer, the more powerful the prayer. Uh, their thinking was, if I can stand here and pray for 30 minutes instead of five, my prayer will be heard and be more powerful if I can do that. Or if I can stand here for an hour in prayer, my God will hear me and that prayer will be more effective in what I'm praying for. But, but that's not the way prayer works when you're saved by Jesus. You see, prayer is a connection point with our Savior. And so Jesus doesn't want useless words. He wants your true heart. Jesus wants you to come to him with everything you are and bring everything to him. He doesn't want mindless repetition. The length of your prayer to Jesus does not determine its effectiveness. He wants the mind and the heart that is truly focused solely on him. That's what Jesus wants from us. He doesn't want repetition. He doesn't want those things. He wants our heart. He wants our motivation, our intentions, our thoughts, our, our, our emotions. He wants everything. But he doesn't want mindlessness. Uh, and so he wants to be that audience of one in your life. You see, when you go and study what Jesus taught about the Old Testament commandments. Uh, you'll find in Matthew 22 that a scribe comes to Jesus and he says, what's the greatest commandment in all the Bible? And Jesus says this, he says, 
The first one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second greatest command is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. You see, in those two commandments, there's nothing about us. It's all about loving God and loving those who are around us, loving others. And so that's what our focus should be, that audience of him and others pointing people to the life-changing hope of Jesus. This is a call by Jesus to live to impress him, not anyone else, not to receive uh, the praise, but to give the praise. And, And so that's what we are called to do as we live our lives, as we practice our faith, as we live out our faith, as we do things day in and day out, everything we do is motivated or should be motivated by pointing people to Jesus. Every word we say, every action we take should be filled with salt and light, like we talked about a few weeks ago. And so this goes down, this idea basically breaks down into humility and selflessness. Now, if you were to go and read Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two talks about humility being placing God and others before ourselves. So if we had a priority list, God would be at the top, others would be second, and only after those two would we come along. We are the last and least important on God's priority list. He's first, others second, us third. That's humility. Uh, And that's what this passage in Matthew 6 is talking to us about. It's telling us to put our pride, put away the desire to to be praised and to, to have the accolades, put that away and instead point people to the salvation and the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's what we exist to do. It's all about humility and selflessness. And so let's talk about selflessness for a moment and making Jesus impressive to those around us. You see, the world is watching those who claim to follow Jesus. Uh, The people around you, whether you realize it or not, if they know you're a Christian, they're watching you. They're watching with a critical eye that they might not watch you with if they didn't know that you were a follower. And so what you do, what you say is being looked at, it's being analyzed, it's being weighed and measured. And ultimately, they're deciding their stance on Jesus based on our humility and selflessness. And guys, let's be honest for a moment. During this pandemic, people are especially watching. People are hurting. People are struggling. Uh, even if they're not having any issues with their, their physical safety or their physical well-being, maybe they're fine financially, they haven't been uh, physically or financially affected by this whole thing, they've more than likely been mentally and emotionally affected. And they're looking to the followers of Jesus to see the hope that the followers of Jesus have. They want to see that your life has truly been changed by Jesus, that 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 life-changing hope is making a difference in your life right now in this difficult time. And there's no better way to show them the life-changing hope of Jesus than to live out humility, to put God 
and to put others before yourself. There's no better way to show people Jesus and the light that Jesus can bring into their darkness than by loving on them, putting yourself aside and looking to their concerns and looking to their needs, placing God as the number one concern because ultimately we don't want people to look at your life and say, like I said in my opening, oh, look at Chad, look how, look how religious he is, look how righteous he is. We don't want people to say that. We want people to look at us and go, wow, look at the God that Chad is saved by. Look at the God that loves Chad. I want that. That's what we want. That's what leads people to the life-changing hope of Jesus is when we turn that that accolade, that praise away from us and we point it back to the one who truly deserves it, to our Savior. But believe me, people are watching and they want to know what's going on. Now, that applies to us as a church as well, as First Southern. Uh, And so let me shift gears for just a moment and let me talk about uh, what's coming up. So our leadership met this week Uh, And we're working on making the final decisions for reopening our campus so that we can have in-person services on our campus again. And there is going to be information coming out this week. So pay attention to your emails, to social media, to our website, uh, so that you can stay up to date. If you're not receiving our emails, send us an email at info at fsbcs.org and we will put you on that email list. Uh, But an update is coming out this week with details about reopening our campus and starting services again. So what do you need to know about this decision? Because let's Let's take a moment and recognize that people are on all ends of the spectrum when it comes to how we should be handling this pandemic. Uh, so let me give you some facts. Let me, let me give you some information that is part of what's going on here at First Southern. First off, two weeks ago, we sent out a survey through email um, and asked you to fill it out. And let me say, we got a massive response. So let me say thank you uh, for taking the time uh, to fill out that survey and give us the information uh, that helps us make the decisions more uh, in a better way as we move forward. But we, we found something out in that survey. When we did that survey, we actually discovered uh, that there is not a vast majority on any one end of the spectrum here at our church. We have a huge portion, a huge percentage of our membership that wants us to reopen. But we also have a huge percentage of our membership that wants us to slow down and wait a little bit. Uh, And we've got a few people that are in between as well. It is spread out pretty evenly. And so we need to honor that and respect that. Um, Another fact that is in consideration is if you look at the stats for our state, we have not yet started the consistent downward slope of new cases and deaths. Um, We're still kind of jumping up and down day by day, but we haven't seen the jump up and down that is in a consistent pattern going lower and lower. It seems to go down a few days and then jumps back up for a little while and then goes back down. It's doing this roller coaster movement right now. And so there is good reason to still be a little bit cautious. 
Um, another fact is First Southern, as a church, has had five cases of COVID-19 so far. I'm talking about members here at First Southern Baptist Church of Scottsdale who have come down with COVID-19. We have had five. Um, and one of those five actually got very, very sick. And so I, I want you to know that some of you watching right now may think that you don't know a single person who has come down with COVID-19 and that you've been untouched and you haven't seen it and you've been unaffected and everyone you know has been unaffected. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that our church has actually been effective, affected quite a bit. Uh, and so we need to keep that in mind. We need to honor and respect the concerns of those who have been sick. Um, another fact that we have to take into consideration in this decision-making process is that probably somewhere around half of our volunteer base is not comfortable coming back to live services yet, which means uh, to reopen the campus uh, and have in-person live services, we have to make some changes with the way our services are run and who does what, because our volunteer base has been greatly reduced uh, because of people that want to stay home. And we respect that. Please hear me, if you are watching right now and you're one of the people that is saying, I'm not ready to come back to in-person services yet, please stay home. The moment we reopen, do not feel obligated to come back. We will still do online services. We will still provide you amazing, godly discipleship content uh, so that you can stay healthy in your journey and your path of growth with your Savior. So please, if you're not comfortable, if you're vulnerable, if your immune system is compromised, stay home. We don't want you to come here or feel like you're obligated to come here, even if you're a volunteer. Stay home. We've got this worked out. We will make this happen. Um, also, um, uh, one of the negative facts that we need to, that leadership has to take into consideration is there are several members of our church who have been very vocal about not honoring uh, the CDC guidelines and uh, recommendations that we're gonna be recommending to our congregation. Believe me when I say, our church will be as safe as we can make it to come back to. Uh, and we would ask if you're having the battle, the debate in your mind or in your household about the CDC guidelines and what people are recommending and not recommending, we would recommend that you con contact us. Please call the church, email the church. Let us know what your concerns are. Let us uh, talk with you about that. Um, the, the last fact that we have to take into consideration is it's actually going to take several hours to prepare our worship center and our fellowship hall for people to come back. We have to uh, section off pews. We have to make special preparations uh, for certain aspects of worship um, and for people being in the building. Um, and so there, there's a lot of work that's going to go into this. We have thought this out extensively, and we are prepared to, to do the work and make things as safe as possible for us to return to in-person services. But again, I'm going to reiterate this once more. If you're not comfortable coming back, if you're vulnerable, if you have an immune system that's compromised, don't come back. I want to bless you. I want to give you permission to stay home and participate in worship through our online services. Please don't feel obligated to come back, even with the measures that we've taken. We want you to stay safe and do what you feel comfortable doing in the Lord. 
You see, all of these factors are playing into the decision-making process that's in front of us. But we also know that our community that we're trying to lead to Jesus is watching what we do and how we do it. And so we're trying to make the wisest, godliest, most biblical decisions in light of the information we have to reopen our campus and start live services again. And that information will be coming out this week with dates, uh, etc. So, Again, if you've been affected, if you have not been affected by this, or you don't know anybody who has been affected by the coronavirus so far, praise God. I, I thank the Lord that you have gone unaffected. But please understand that there are many in our church who have been affected in big ways. Uh, we also have many who wish to continue taking precautions so they don't uh, get affected by the coronavirus. And we want to respect and honor and be sensitive to those concerns. And so we're working through all of those different aspects of reopening our campus. I want to remind you, going back to Matthew 6, I want to remind you that nothing we do is about you and I. I want to reopen. If I had my way, I'd be reopening as soon as possible. But this isn't about us. This is not about you and I. Reopening our campus and having live services even is about pointing, about leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And we will do what most effectively accomplishes that mission. We will strive to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. So our decision-making process is based on that. Um, so, we ask that you would continue to show love, show patience, and be gracious. No matter what the decisions are, no matter what direction we go as a church, or what the people around you are saying. You see, the, the hard part here is no one knows for sure what's the best decision and what's not. You may think you know, your neighbor may think they know. But ultimately, we will follow God's will and His knowledge and wisdom. So be patient. Show love and be gracious with those around you, even those that disagree with you. As these plans are revealed, as we send emails out this week, please work with us and help us as we walk down this process. But I want to close with this question. In what ways are you not showing people Jesus? In what ways are you trying, are you seeking to receive the praise yourself? In what ways are you trying to impress others instead of having others be impressed by your Savior? That's the question that we need to ask this morning. How can we live in humility and in selflessness to our Savior? Will you join me in prayer? Almighty God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for who you are. We thank you for how you've provided and how you care for us and for our church. And we pray again that you would provide wisdom and knowledge and insight into what we should be doing for you. But Lord, in everything we do, we pray that we would point people to you, to, to Jesus as their Savior. Lord, we pray that we would do everything we can to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus through the way we believe, through the way we grow in you, through the way we connect with one another and the way we serve one another, we pray that that would show people the life-changing hope of Jesus. 
So help us to be salt and light. Help us to be your hands and feet. Help us to show people you. We thank you, Lord. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.